0: So this morning, I want to I want to ask a question, and we obviously we're celebrating Thanksgiving. But but have you ever thought about why it's so hard to be thankful? Um, and and I don't mean that it's hard to be thankful all the time. There are times in our life where it's very easy to be thankful. Maybe we're cognizant and we, we give thanks. And, and if you Google that topic, um, it's, it's kind of fun, but it's kind of mind blowing, and it wastes a lot of time too because. Um, what's interesting is is you'll start hitting all these articles that you know people why you should be thankful five reasons to be thankful five reasons why we're not thankful and really if I could net it all down to a summary of everything that I read just for fun this week was basically when you have stuff or things be thankful for those stuff and things and when you don't have stuff or things and. You still need to be thankful for the stuff and the things that you do have. And, and it seemed like all of the instruction on the internet was about stuff and things and people. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be grateful for stuff and things and people, those are things to be grateful for. Like our, we, we talked about a number of those today our families our health, the fact that we've got a house, the fact that we've got uh, air, you know, when I come back from Liberia, air conditioning, wow, I'm thankful for air conditioning, right? And and the stuffs and and things that we're thankful for. But you know, it was one of those, it it just kind of hit me as odd that the same message that I heard on the internet from a secular audience sounded vaguely familiar to what we talk about in church sometimes. And I thought, there's got to be more of this. (laughs) thankfulness than just stuffing things, and, and stuffing things. And so I, I started to look through the scriptures, and I wanted to just share some Thanksgiving lessons from Ziklag, um, but one of the things before we get to Ziklag is I want to fast forward in time from Ziklag to another time, a happier time um, that we read about um, in First Chronicles 16. And so you can turn with me to First Chronicles 16. And one of the things that we're going to notice in 1 Chronicles 16 is this, all is well. Everything is going great for King David. Um, In fact, we're going to look at a time where if you looked at his life, everything was right. Everything was in order. Some of the things that we're going to see is his enemies were defeated. Wow, his enemies were defeated. He was at peace. His kingdom was finally established in Jerusalem. By the time we get to 1 Chronicles 16, his kingdom had been established in Jerusalem. He had just successfully transferred the ark to Jerusalem. Now some of us say, well, so what's the big deal about that? But for the Jewish mind, that, that, that ark represented the very presence of God. And so that was big. David had just success successfully transferred the ark back to Jerusalem. And as a result, David was bursting with thanksgiving. And see, everything was going well, and it's easy. It's an easy time to give thanks, but let's just read the text, First Chronicles 16, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. And I'm going to bring these up on the screen as well. Some, if you can't read that, then hopefully you've got a Bible uh, with you, but we'll just bring this up along as we read it. Uh, It says, "So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he distributed to every man, every one of Israel, both man and woman, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins." And he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to commemorate, to thank, and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph the chief, and next to him, Zechariah, and then Jael, Shemer Ramoth, um, that's easy for me to say, uh, Jael, Mattathiah, Eliab, Benaiah, and Obed Edom. Jael was stringed instruments and harps, but Asaph made music with cymbals. Benaiah and Jehaziel, the the priest, regularly blew the trumpets before the Ark of the Covenant of God. And then we get to verse seven. This is interesting. And on that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. And so King David, who is the king, he he didn't just leave this off to the music people to come up with a song of thanks to the Lord. David wrote it, and he hands it over to his music people, and this is what he says, starting in verse eight. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. And, you know, I, in a very cynical way, I look at passages like this and I say, well, of course. <laughs> of course you're going to say that because everything's going good. Everything's in place. Well, of course you're going to say that. Everything's right in the world with you. You got, you got no issues at all. But what about when things weren't going so well for David? What about 12 years earlier in a place called Ziklag, very far away from Jerusalem. In fact, it was in Philistine territory. And what happened then? What happens when all is not well? What happens when you're on a beach and a tsunami is rolling in on top of your head? And you know, David had multiple experiences like that, but one that we want to look at is found in 1 Samuel 30. And so how would David respond when everything in life was going wrong? You know, that, that's actually what I want to see. I, I got the everything's working out okay and I'm thankful bit down. Like I, that comes easy, right? That's, that's easy. That's no problem with that. I want to know, what about when the tidal wave's coming in? What about when the wheels are falling off? What about when you don't even have wheels anymore? They've fallen off so long ago. I mean, what about then? And so we're going to look at an instance where David, where everything was going wrong. In fact, in comparison to First Chronicles 16, David's enemies were defeating him in this passage when we see him. What about when David's kingdom reign seemed in doubt? You know, God had promised that he would be the next king, and yet he, he waited, and he waited, and King Saul was coming after him with vigor and trying to kill him and trying to put him out. And, and you, can't imagine, you can imagine David having some dark nights um, out in the wilderness as he's running from Saul thinking, man, is this thing ever going to happen? Am I ever going to be the king? Is this ever going to come about? What about when all these things were going on Would David still burst forth with thanksgiving? And if he does, how can he do it? How can he do it? Because if he can, he's got something that the world doesn't have. See, he's got something unique. If he can still burst forth with praise and thanksgiving when all of these things are still true. And so in 1 Samuel 30, We read this starting in verse 1. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. Now, I have to set the stage, but I got to do it quickly because this is just a fascinating story. The reason David is in Ziklag, which is in Philistine territories, because he was a- a- attempting to hide from Saul, who was seeking his life. But he had made camp in Ziklag, that's where his family was, that's where his armed men and their families were at Ziklag, and so they had heard word that Israel's army, led by Saul, was coming against the Philistines, and David had aligned himself with the Philistines against his own brethren. And he had actually left Ziklag with his armed men to fight side by side with the Philistines against the nation of Israel. That's why he wasn't in Ziklag when the Amalekites rolled through there. That's why he was gone. And so then we read in verse 2. Not only had they attacked it with fire, but they had taken captive the women. And those who were there from small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. So I want you to put yourself in that position. You come home. You're looking forward to seeing your family. You're looking forward to a, a night of rest, and they're not there. Your city's burned down. Your, your family's been taken. Maybe at this point, maybe they don't know if they're still alive. They just know they're not in Ziklag. And they come home to this, and let's see how the men respond. Just like probably we would. David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever, have you ever cried so much you can't cry anymore? That's what we're talking about. You know, you know that grief. Maybe you've experienced that grief. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you've seen it on a movie or you know somebody that's experienced that kind of grief. This is what we're talking about here. And these are not, you know, wimpy, sissy men. These are killers. These are, these are assassins. These are battle-worn soldiers who are weeping to the point that they can't let out another tear. David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. And so uh, not only did the men David was leading, uh, not only did they suffer this, um, this fate, but he did too. He had skin in the game. He was missing his family as well. He was just as upset. But then we read this. It gets worse. It's like, you know, it was. it's bad enough to lose your family, but look how it gets worse for David. Now, David was greatly distressed. Of course he was. His family was gone, but no. Notice why he's distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him, Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. You know, they came home. They saw the town burn. They saw their family gone. And they said, you know what? We're going to kill this guy because he's the one that let us out of here. So not only is David grieving the loss of his family, but now he's got mutiny coming after him. And I want you to notice that last phrase. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. See, and so when you jump forward 12 years to Jerusalem and things are going well, David has taken with him this experience, this this lesson that he's learned in Ziklag. And, and you're going to notice that David... Uh, is not taking comfort in devising a plan yet to get his family back. That's not where his comfort is. That's not where he's strengthening himself. He's not getting his top military generals and say, hey, okay, guys, just give me a few minutes. Don't stone me. Let's make a plan. Let's go get these folks back. No, no. David strengthened himself, and the Lord is God. And see, the secret I believe David found in Ziklag is, is to know where true thankfulness actually resides. And it's not in things, and it's not in stuff, and, and ultimately it's not in people necessarily. It's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the person of God. And so, it, you know, one of the things that we want to do is we want to observe First Chronicles 16 again. Because I want you to notice now that we have that perspective. I want you to notice the, the song of Thanksgiving he wrote in First Chronicles 16, 8 through 12. And I've got it all up here, but let's just take it a phrase at a time. He says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Notice it's not give thanks to the Lord for our stuff. It's give thanks to the Lord. Sing to him, not, not just sing to sing, right? There's, a, there's an intentionality about this. And what we're going to see throughout this psalm of the, this Thanksgiving that he wrote, it's all about God. It's all about his character. It's all about what he's done. It's It's an occupation with the Lord hence the reason he can be thankful and I think a lesson that he learned in Ziklag talk of all his wondrous works not necessarily his wondrous works for you we we like to always insert our personal flavor into things but but David doesn't here it's okay I'm grateful for his work for me especially his work on the cross for me that makes a, a, a way for me to go to heaven uh, that I don't deserve, to have my sins forgiven, which I don't deserve. That's grace. I am thankful for the works he's done for me. But notice Davis's, David's focus here. It's, it's, he's just praising him for his wondrous works. It's, it's an occupation of praise and thanksgiving with God. Verse 10, glory in his holy name, not in our possessions. Seek the Lord, not pleasant circumstances. In his strength, not to be strong in your own strength. Seek his, his strength. Seek his face, not just his blessings, right? It, sometimes we, we separate the blesser from the blessings and we're okay if we just get the blessings. We don't really need the blesser necessarily. We just want the blessings. And so he's not talking about that. He's talking about seeking his face. And then he says, remember his marvelous works. Again, not necessarily just the works he has done for you. You know, as I thought about that, this verse has been shared a couple times this morning. George shared it. We've got it on the front of the bulletin. But it made me think of 1 Thessalonians 5.18. You see, as a Christian, we do have a secret about thankfulness. And, and it's right here. See, we, we can give thanks in all circumstances. That, that means, what that means is we put it in a different frame, is we don't have to have circumstances a certain way to be thankful. That's what I believe David learned in Ziklag, is, is thankfulness is not just based on stuff, things, and people, but it's based on the unchanging nature and character of our God. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, I do thank you as David wrote uh, there in First Chronicles 16, just, just thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Uh, thankful for the plan of salvation as we've been studying uh, in the book of Romans, the way that you have not only devised the plan to save us from the penalty of sin, but uh, to save us from the power of sin and then to one day save us from the very presence of sin. Um, all things that we don't deserve uh, if we got what we deserve, we we realize from the scriptures that each one of us would deserve hell, and yet, in, in your grace, you in your work you are able to offer us something we don 't deserve uh, eternity with you, forgiveness of sins, fellowship on a daily basis all of these things we are eternally grateful for and so this week, Lord, as we take time uh, with our families to celebrate. Uh, the things that we're thankful for, May, may your person and your character and your works be at the forefront of our thinking. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.